Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. In his book, Knowing God, the theologian J.I. Packer writes, Once you have been made aware that the whole business for which you are here is to know God, then most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. This world today is full of sufferers of the wasting disease. Life is a bad joke and Marie Antoinette's fever. Nothing tastes. These disorders, they are a blight on the whole of life. Everything becomes a problem and a bore because nothing seems worthwhile. And I wonder, over the last couple of months, if you've been experiencing that wasting disease and that fever. Or maybe it, it describes more than just the last few months. Maybe this is the theme of your life. You see, by nature, all of us, we tend to fixate on our own circumstances, whether things are going well or things are going poorly. We so easily, we make ourselves the center of the universe. And so very quickly, we would never admit this to other people, but very quickly, we begin to think, that the main business for which the universe exists is to cater to our needs and our desires. And so when life becomes difficult, when we experience suffering, our anxieties begin to run wild. We begin to lash out at other people. We despair and we quickly wallow in self-pity. Life becomes a problem and a bore and nothing seems worthwhile. Now, ultimately, there's only one solution to this. There's only one remedy. And Packer's answer is as beautiful as it is profound. What makes life worthwhile is having a big objective that catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. This the Christian has like no other person has. For what higher, more exalted, more compelling a goal could there be than to know God. You see, Packer, who takes his cue from the Bible, when he speaks this way about knowing God, he reminds me of the way C.S. Lewis wrote of the lion in his Narnia series. Now, if you're familiar with these Narnia books, then you might already know that they were written as an allegory of the gospel. And Aslan the lion represents Jesus Christ. And there's a scene in one of his books called The Silver Chair in which some of the characters encounter the lion Aslan. And we read these words, I have come, said a deep voice behind them. They turned and saw the lion himself, so big and real and strong. And everything else at once began to look pale and shadowy compared to him. It reminds me of the words of Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, this I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to gaze, to drink in the beauty of the Lord. But what does it even mean to know God? Well, just think of how eager you have been in the past to know everything you could know about someone that you loved or liked, whether it was a partner or whether it was a child or a parent or a friend. You wanted to know everything about their story, 
their likes and their dislikes. You wanted to know their character. And you wanted to know all of these things so that you could enjoy deeper and fuller and richer intimacy with them. I don't think it's all that surprising when you read the Hebrew Old Testament that you'll find the word no is used euphemistically to describe sexual intimacy. You see, if we go back to the first chapters of the Bible, we find the creation account of God creating the heavens and the earth. And when God created his crown jewel, his image bearers, when he created humanity, he created humans to live in relationship with him, to know him intimately, to be known intimately by God, to have him as guide and God, to love him, to enjoy him, to gaze at his beauty, to glory in his presence, his love, his kindness. Of course, everything I'm saying, it should be fundamental to Christianity, but too often, People who call themselves Christians have missed this point. Too often I've missed this point in my own life. You see, knowing God is far more than an intellectual pursuit of reading and studying the scriptures. But it's never less than that either. In a tragic irony, some of the most intelligent scholars of the Bible never knew God. And yet, some of the simplest Christian minds knew God intimately. And they found refuge in his loving embrace. You see, ever since the fall into sin, we are prone to run and hide and to flee from the presence of God, just like our first parents, Adam and Eve, did in Genesis 3. So I want to ask you today, if you've been running, how's that been working out for you? Have you found satisfaction in what you've been looking for? You see, I know the answer, but more importantly, God knows the answer. You're feeling weary and your soul is parched. To paraphrase Bilbo Baggins, you're feeling thin and stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. But even though we run, in His grace, God never gave up on his creation because he had set his love on us. He pursued Adam and Eve, and he promised that there would be restoration to this broken intimacy, restoration through his only son. It's only God who can bridge this infinite chasm. It's only God who can mend this broken relationship. It's only God who pursues. It's only God who bends down. It's only God who first and primarily reveals himself to us. We love because he first loved us. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We read about this in, in John 1 verse 18. Uh, the Apostle John speaking about the Word made flesh, the eternal Son of God made into flesh in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. He writes, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Later on in the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus, he echoed these words on the night that he was arrested and betrayed the day before he went to the cross for our sins. In John 17, verses 1 through 3, we find the, the opening words of his high priestly prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. 
glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so I invite you to join me on the most thrilling and exhilarating journey ever, whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time in your life. Together, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's come to know him together and let's be known by him. And I promise you won't regret it. And God makes the same promise to you. And I'm thinking of Jeremiah 29, the verses 13 and 14. If you seek me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Knowing God intimately is so incredible. Knowing God is eternal life. And that has an impact on the way we live today. It has an impact on the way we think. It has an impact on the things we value. It informs our troubles and our suffering. As Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord, as in a holy reverence, a recognition of who He is, in comparison to everyone else, including myself, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowing God in Jesus Christ is the true source of knowledge and understanding. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 29 says, It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Knowing God in Jesus Christ is living water for our thirsty and weary and parched souls. As Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4 verse 14, Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Does this sound like the antidote and the remedy for your spiritual sickness and fever? To close where we began, once you become aware that the main business for which you are here is to know God, then most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. <laughs>